Welcome everybody to Starting Sustainability Episode 9. Want to learn how to toilet train a cat? Stay tuned! I'm your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. Welcome to Starting Sustainability! This is a podcast about the trial and errors of figuring out how to incorporate sustainable do's and don'ts into your life, home, work, and travel. I'm so glad that you're joining me today, and I'm not asking you to do everything that I talk about in this podcast, but if you could pick one or two new things to incorporate into your life, it would make a huge impact in the long run. Today on episode 9, we are talking about sustainability and your pets. There are multiple routes that you can take when it comes to being a sustainable pet owner, so I'm just going to go through the list here. The first thing that you can do is make your own pet toys. I have a link on the show notes, so when you're done listening to the podcast, you can go to the website and check out the show notes, and there's a link there, and it will show you five different ways that you can make dog toys out of your regular household objects. The first one is if you have a pair of jeans that don't fit or got a hole in them or you got paint all over them, whatever the case may be, you can take the jean leg, or even if you just cut them off and turn them into shorts, you can take that leg part and tie it into a knot and use that as a toy for your dog. You can utilize your old socks, socks that have holes or stains or have been stretched out or you lost the mate to it. Basically take two or three socks and crumple up the take one of the socks, crumple it up into a ball and stuff it inside the other sock and then you can tie a knot so if you stuff it inside the other sock all the way down to the toes, then you can take the remaining part of the second sock and tie it into a knot and form a ball that your dog could play with. If you have old t-shirts or yarn, you can actually macrame these, which is a fancy way of saying tying into a whole bunch of knots to make a rope toy. My dog is part pitbull, so all these toys that I've discussed so far would make it maybe 20 minutes at the very most. He has a very, very destructive mouth. I have to buy indestructible toys for my dog. I have to get the Kong Extreme, and I found Rough Dog, R-U-F-F, and then Dog is D-A-W-G, Rough Dog. They have some toys. So my dog only has like three toys, because every time that we buy him toys, he would just destroy them. But if you have a gentler dog, more so than mine, then you can make your own toys. The, the same application goes for cats. You could easily take a cord and tie a knot on the end, and that'll entertain the cat for hours. If you have a roll of packing tape that you have finished, then you can take that leftover cardboard spool. Once all the tape is gone, you have that inside cardboard. It's tough. It's a tough little piece of cardboard, so you can take that. You can wrap it with twine or yard or ribbon. You can attach bells to the ribbon or the twine on that, and then the cat that'll roll around, and the cat can play with that. If you have scrap fabric, I have this a lot, scrap fabric, where I'm not sure what to do with it because it's not really big enough to do anything else with, you can put catnip inside of it. Sew it shut, put the catnip and a little bit of stuffing in there, and make little tiny toys for the cats. Perfect. Unfortunately, last April, so only a couple months ago, my beloved Lulu, she was 12 years old, she ended up passing away, which broke my heart. That really stunk. And we had a handful of her items left over. So I went through them. I kept her collar and her favorite toy. 
other items that Lulu was a tiny little Pomeranian, and the dog that we still have at home, Ruger, he is a 70-pound pit lab mix. So to give her her toys, knowing that he would just destroy them, kind of broke my heart. She had a couple of outfits as well. It's not that I dressed her up in tutus or anything, but <laughs> in the wintertime it did get really cold, so I had jackets for both her and the other dog because they would go outside and just physically shake on how cold it was, but they had to go outside to go to the bathroom. We also had her pet bed for her, which was way too small for the other dog. So these items, so if you as a pet owner have had to experience a pet loss or maybe your pet doesn't like something that you have purchased, the leftover toys, clothes, bedding, all of those can be donated at a shelter. So I strongly encourage doing that. It's another great way to be sustainable is donating things to a shelter. If you had a Pomeranian like I do or cats or a fluffy dog, whatever the case may be, all of that fur, every time that you brush them, you get a whole collection of fur. Did you know that you can compost that? I didn't know that. You can you can do that with your own human hair. Like when you, for ladies, when you brush your hair and you have a whole bunch of hair left over in your brush, you can pick that out and put that in the compost and you can do the same thing with your pet fur. I never even thought about that being for compost, which you can totally do. Another issue with pet fur is it gets stuck all over your clothes. <laughs> I have learned I cannot wear black anymore. <laughs> we utilize lint rollers. It's the handle and the, it's like sticky pages, so you can roll them up and down on your shirt and on your pants and it removes all the pet fur. The problem with that is you use the sheet, you tear it off and you throw it away. So then you have to, so the next day you use another sheet, you tear it off and you throw it away. This is very inefficient. It's financially not smart and of course not sustainable either. We're just creating more trash. And those little sticker sheets are plastic, so they're not breaking down either. You can now purchase a pet mitt. It's like a little mitt that you can put on your hand and just brush it up and down on your clothes and it will remove the pet fur. There's also a thing at the dollar store, literally the dollar tree at the dollar store. It's a brush that looks like it has crushed velvet on one side and you have to, you can only go one direction with it, but as long as you just go the same direction, it'll pull off all of the fur as well. And it's only a dollar, which is way cheaper than the lint rollers. So that's a really good win for everybody as well. If you have smaller animals, like rabbits or hamsters, they are great. <laughs> Has their own little compost machine. <laughs> you can give them food scraps like your carrot tops, stale bread, lettuce ends, celery stalks, a whole bunch of stuff. You can build tunnels for them with different household objects. I know a lot of people put toilet paper rolls or paper towel rolls inside of their cage for them to chew on and crawl through. And if you have small animals, you can also reuse newspaper. If you don't get the newspaper, because it's a cost and it's wasteful, so we do all of our news online. But if you're still getting a newspaper, or even, honestly, we still get we still get the junk paper once a week, the weekly flyers, even though I don't want them. So this is what you could do with them. You can put them in your small animal cage and use it as a bed liner. If you have bigger animals, like cats and dogs, or even bigger than that, when you are looking for their food... You're going to have to do your own research on whether the food comes in a plastic bag or a paper bag. A long time ago, everything came in the paper bags, and it was easier to find the paper bags. All of the food products that we've been looking at for both our dog and cat food, they all come in a plastic bag. And I get why, because the paper bags rip easily, and then you have bug issues. There are more than one occasion I've bought dog food, and then I'll open up the bag. It's a paper bag. So I will dump it into a big plastic tub that we have in order to feed the dog with. And I will see bugs in the dog food, live bugs in the dog food, which is gross. So I understand why they're doing the plastic. 
so you have to weigh out the pros and cons on your own. Also, it's up to you to do the research on whether that particular food brand is sourced sustainably or not. I don't really want to get into it because so many animals have food allergies and they have to be grain free and this company is good and that one is not and that one had a recall. So that's why I'm asking you to do your own research because it is currently July 31st, 2019 and tomorrow there might be a big recall. The week after that, there might be a new scientific study saying that this one special dog food brand is no longer good or causing heart issues or whatever. So <laughs> I don't want to take any responsibility for that. So I'm just going to direct you to research it on your own. Another thing that I do with my, my big giant dog, he has fallen underweight probably because his partner, Lulu, passed away a couple months ago. In order to get him to eat more, we started giving him food scraps also. I have a one-year-old son who's eating food and makes a gigantic mess. <laughs> it's, it's pretty nice <laughs> that the big dog will just clean that up for us. We didn't realize how much we relied on Ruger, that's our big dog, to clean up my son's mess until we went on, we did a little weekend getaway for a two-year anniversary a month ago. While we were out and about, we would feed Corbin, like we were in the hotel room or we were at the restaurant, we would feed Corbin and see that he's making a giant mess. And we just packed up and started walking out. My husband says, don't you think we should clean that up? I'm like, huh, what? Don't you think we should clean that up? And I turn like, oh yeah, there is food all over the place. I'm so used to the dog cleaning it up for me. I've fallen out of the habit of cleaning it up myself. So we had to turn around and go back and clean it up. I'm just saying, that's another thing that you can do. If you don't do your own compost and you need to find a way to get rid of all of your food scraps, you can give it to your dog, especially if they're underweight. Now to each their own on... If that's going to cause behavior issues in the dog or weight issues in the dog, my dog is currently underweight, so he does need the food. You can also utilize human food as treats. You don't have to buy the special dog treats that also come in a plastic bag that you throw away. There are plenty of food items that are good for dogs to eat, like sweet potatoes. You can even make your own type of jerky with leftover meat scraps. Lots of vegetables are pretty much good to go for dogs. Even fruit, apples, watermelon, Bananas, there's lots of dog treats made with those items. Again, there are certain items that dogs cannot have, like chocolate. They cannot have that. They cannot have grapes. There's a handful of other items, so just make sure that you're careful not giving your dog something they cannot have. While we're still on the topic of dogs, I want to discuss other sustainable issues. The first one would be puppy pads. The reason with puppy pads is that they are made out of plastic and to be honest, I kind of think they're useless. <laughs> I grew up, I, I always grew up with dogs and I knew how to train dogs to go to the bathroom outside. But let me tell you a story about my coworker. Her husband bought her a very cute Maltese little puppy who is white and curly. And they named him Mayo. Mayo like the sauce, like mayonnaise. <laughs> That's the dog's name. It's <laughs> so cute. Neither one of them have ever had a dog before. So I don't know if it was somebody at the pet store or whatever, somebody told them about these puppy pads. They said, okay, great, they're in an apartment. Okay, great, we're going to go to work all day long for eight hours, so we're going to put this puppy pad in the middle of the white carpet floor for Mayo to go to the bathroom on because nobody's home to let Mayo out during the day. The issue is the puppy pads have a scent on them. So when your puppy walks up to it, smells the pad, usually... They're, they're going to walk up to the edge of the puppy pad, not step on it. They're just going to bend down and smell it. That smell is going to trigger them to go to the bathroom. So what do they do? 
They go to the bathroom on the edge or right outside of the puppy pad, pee and poo. Now cute, adorable little white Mayo is a puppy who's very playful and then rolled around in all of her poo and then rolled around all over the carpet, all over the white carpet. And now we have issues. I did talk to my coworker and I said, now that the dog understands to go to the bathroom on or near the puppy pad, you need to move the puppy pad towards the back patio door. One, it gets it off of the carpet and it's onto a linoleum floor where it's easier to clean up messes. And two, now the dog knows she has to go to the door to communicate to you that she needs to go to the potty. So she's gonna start getting in the habit of going to the door. Once she gets that down, then you move the puppy pad outside the door so she can see it outside the door. And now she's gonna start scratching and whining at the door also to communicate to you, I need to go outside and go to the potty. That is how you use those. There are not good instructions on those puppy pads. So that's why I'm explaining how you should use them. My preference, I have never used them. I always just, as soon as the puppy wakes up, you take them outside and then every two hours, like clockwork, you're gonna have to set an alarm on your phone or whatever the case may be. Every two hours you take that dog out and then at night you can put it in a kennel. I know, but it's a cute little puppy and I want it on the bed with me. You don't have to do it forever. Just put the puppy in the kennel overnight so that way you can bladder train because the dog will not go to the bathroom inside of its own kennel. It'll hold it and it's gonna, if it does need to go, it's gonna whine and whimper because it doesn't want to go in its own tiny little environment. So you just do that to finish bladder training it so it can get through the night and then first thing in the morning, you let the puppy out to go to the bathroom. When it does go to the bathroom, you give it a treat. And again, every two hours, you keep repeating. When it goes, you give it a treat. That's how you potty train or house train a dog. Okay. Moving along. <laughs> now that the dog is house trained and you take it outside, I like to take my dogs for walks, just like many pet owners do. I was duped by biodegradable poo bags, completely duped. And I just discovered this about an hour ago because I got this bright idea. Okay, for my podcast, I'm going to talk about biodegradable poo bags. Let me go online and get a list of some of the brands. I know my brand, but I want to give you a variety because I don't want to be a salesperson for this one and only brand, especially if that brand's not available to you. I want to give you a variety to look at. So I went to rover.com because I found this article called The Truth About Biodegradable Poop Bags. Oh man. So I'm reading it and I'm over here thinking it's a great thing. My dog goes poo. I use the biodegradable bag, scoop it up, toss it in the trash. Problem solved. I've saved the world. It's all going to break down and go away. Uh, false. They have a list. Do not throw the poop bags in the regular trash where they'll end up a landfill because the biodegradable bags will not break down in the landfill environment. Dang it. <laughs> Don't put them in your home garden compost because animal waste contains pathogens that can be harmful to humans. I've heard this many times where people say put your pet waste in your compost. You cannot do that. Not in your garden compost. Also, do not put them in municipal yard waste bins, as most city compost facilities do not allow pet waste. Okay, so what can you do? Here's what you're supposed to do. Use a dog waste only composting bin. There are several commercial options, such as the Doggy Dooley on the market, and you can also make your own. And I'll have a link to the article with the instructions on how to make your own. It does note that while pet waste compost should never go on edible plants like your garden, you can, it's going to make great fertilizer and you can put it on your decorative gardens. So you can do that. You can flush it. Huh? 
<laughs> yes. Depending on where you live, you can flush dog poop in water-soluble waste bags. Again, on the show notes, I'll have links to this. Just be sure to check with your municipal sewage guidelines and never flush pet waste into a septic tank. So if you have a septic tank, this is a no-no. But if you're on city sewage, then you can put it through as long as you double-check and make sure it's fine. Bury it. This option works best if you live in a rural area with space away from the house. Waste should be buried at least five inches underground. I was always told six, but we can do five. You just want it deep enough underground so it doesn't smell and that no wild animals get in there. And of course, you want it away from your vegetable gardens and any water sources. And all of these rules are for after you have picked up the poo bag in the biodegradable bag. You're supposed to, like in the biodegradable bag, you can put it in the composting bin or flush it, depending on which one, which bag you get, bury it. The last one is to transport it to an industrial composting facility that accepts pest weight. I don't have any of that nearby. I believe there is a composting facility up in Indianapolis, and I live about 40 minutes away. And I'm definitely not going to have a week's worth of dog poo in my car with me and drive for 40 minutes just to go compost it. So I'm going to have to come up with a new plan on what I'm going to do. I don't have an answer for you yet because I was putting in the trash bin. Maybe we can do... I think I'm going to look into the flushing it route. That sounds pretty simple. I think that's worth the extra bags and doing a flushing route. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that out for me. Composting doesn't work for me. It's extremely windy where I live. I mean, it knocks our grill over. and Our grill is a big four-burner gas grill with a propane tank. It will knock that over. I'm very hesitant to do any type of composting because I know that's going to get knocked over. There's also a smell issue, and we're in a tight neighborhood, and everybody's yards are right beside each other. I don't want to create any wars with my neighbors, so I'm thinking the flush is going to be best. And we're right beside a pond, so to bury it, I'm concerned about the waterways. I'm going to leave that alone. Okay, the original reason that I looked up this article was to get the best biodegradable poop bags. So here's your list, poopbags.com. They have plant-based waste bags that are made from renewable resources, such as corn, vegetable oils, and plant starches. Poopbags.com also makes bags from recycled materials that will compost and will reduce the environmental impact of the dog waste. And you can get those on Amazon. They are $10.33 for 120 bags. That's a pretty good deal. The next brand is called Biobag, B-I-O-B-A-G, Biobag Pet Waste Bags. These are made out of a resin derived from plants, vegetable oils, and compostable polymers and break down completely in the right conditions, so landfill is not the right condition. Those are available on Chewy for $5.99 for 50 bags. Flush Puppies Duty Bags. I think this is the one I'm going to go for. Made from water-soluble polyvinyl alcohol, also known as PVA. As the Flush Puppies website says, you can compost them, flush them, or trash them, although they recommend flushing or industrial composting only. Those are available on Amazon for $12.67 for 80 bags. The last one is, I like this, this is really cute, bio dog gradable bags. So it looks like biodegradable, but it's bio, B-I-O, dog, D-O-G, dog gradable bags. They are made from bioplastic compound containing cereal flour and biodegradable polymers. This company is careful to note that claims of 100% degradation or biodegradation are difficult to prove, 
but their bags are designed to be composted in a safe backyard composter or industrial facility. Those again are available on Amazon for $14.99 for 120 bags. Again, I'll have all these links up on the show notes. Any product that is available on Amazon, I have created a page on my website, which is www.startingsustainability.com, and then you can shop zero-waste products. And on there, I will have all these links to these biodegradable bags and the connection to Amazon. I am an affiliate for Amazon, which means I will get a small commission if you use my links, but this is at no additional cost to you, and it's going to save you a bunch of time searching for them. I'll just have the links there ready to go. Outside of dogs, we've got cats. We have already covered toys and food for the cats. The next biggest waste for cats is the litter, kitty litter. Kitty litter is traditionally made from bentonite clay or silica gel crystals. Bentonite clay is mined from the earth, while silica gel is made from sand. Both sound natural enough, but neither is renewable, and extraction of both impacts the environment. When you are getting your kitty litter, please consider the packaging of the litter, if it's a plastic package or if it's in a cardboard box, etc. According to Scientific American, they, this is scientificamerican.com, and they wrote an article called Green Friendly Cat Litter Options, and I really liked what they had to say. So the number one on theirs was Yesterday's News. That's a cat litter that's made from recycled newspaper and is reportedly three times more absorbent than clay. It is non-toxic and contains no scented fragrances, but its makers say it's still tough on odors and is 99.7% dust-free. also comes in recyclable paper packaging. Wood shavings and sawdust also make good cat litter substrates. NEPCO, N-E-P-C-O, NEPCO's Cedarific Natural Cat Litter is a blend of hardwood and cedar chips with no clay or silica dust. Besides being inexpensive, it is easy to handle, has a pleasant odor, and is biodegradable and compostable. Other alternatives include feline pine, better way cat litter, eco shell Purr and Simple, Purr as in P-U-R-R, <laughs> get the pun. So EcoShell Purr and Simple Cat Litter. I think it's pronounced Sweet Scoop, but it's S and then Wheat, W-H-E-A-T, Sweet, Sweet Scoop Natural Wheat Litter. And this keeps odors at bay through the power of the natural enzymes and renewable wheat crops. It is low dust and low tracking, besides being biodegradable and compostable. Meanwhile, there's also world's best cat litter, and that's made from whole kernel corn, and Benevo, Benovo, Benevo, B-E-N-E-V-O, Benevo cat litter. That's also made from non-genetically modified corn and other vegetable derivatives. What do I use? I actually have toilet trained my cats. What? <laughs> yes, I toilet train not one but two cats of mine for two reasons. One, sustainability, and two, it just made life a lot easier. Cat litter is expensive. Because I had two cats, I was changing it out once a week, and I was going through, and I was getting like the costco size giant brand of cat litter, and I was going through that pretty much once or twice a month, not to mention the cat litter smells. I know I got the nicer brands and whatnot, but it still had a smell. You could, when you walked in the house, you could tell we had a cat, and I didn't like that. 
I also didn't like having to scoop the cat litter box every single day. This is too much work with two cats. <laughs> I did not want to scoop it every day. I didn't want to smell it. I didn't want to have to change it out. I didn't like this. I didn't like running to the store because we were out of cat litter. So I want to make my life simpler. I also wanted to save on money. So I toilet trained my cats and I looked it up and did trial and error. This is my first time ever toilet training cats. So I definitely had a whole bunch of fails and I'm happy to share them with you. That way, if you decide to toilet train a cat, it will be a much smoother process for you. So I buy flushable kitty litter. The one I use is called World's Best Litter. There are other brands that you can use, but you must make sure that it is flushable. It'll tell you on the side that this is flushable and septic tank safe. You want to make sure that you get one that is septic tank safe. If you want to toilet train your cats, here's what you do. First, you have to get the kitty litter, their box, into the bathroom, whichever bathroom you have designated to be the cat's bathroom. That's another lesson I learned. It has to be only the cats going in there. So get your kitty litter box into the bathroom and the cats are going to start going to the bathroom. So now you've had to, from wherever it was, now you've changed locations. They got to start learning to go to that location. If you have a box with a lid on top, eventually, so a week later, take the, every, do everything one week at a time. Do not rush this process. Also multiple fails in this area because I was impatient. You have to take your time on this. Get the box in the bathroom week one. Week two, take the lid off the box if there is a lid on the box. Week three, continue with their normal traditional litter because the scent is what attracts them to it until they are trained on where to go. If you have a tiny little kitten who is not going to be able to jump up under the toilet, then you can start putting the pan of litter on top of newspapers and elevating it and elevating it and creating like a step stool for them, teaching them how to jump up there and then eventually getting to the point where if, if they're, they should be able to jump up to the toilet height. So you're just gonna elevate it slowly. My cats were cats at this point. They were a year old. So I didn't have to do that step. I didn't have to do the newspaper and slowly elevating it. I was able to take the pan. And when I say a pan, there are two methods here. One is called the City Kitty. I believe it is $20. And it's an apparatus that you put on the toilet to toilet train your cat. So you can put the City Kitty on there. It's going to completely You'll leave the lid of your toilet up and you put the city kitty inside the bowl. And you'll put the regular, the regular scented litter in there. Do that for about a week and the cat will learn to jump up into the bowl on the city kitty and scratch around and go to the bathroom in that litter. And that is fine. If you don't want to purchase the city kitty, and this is where we had some fails with the city kitty, and I'll explain in a minute, an alternative is to get an aluminum foil pan one that you would make a lasagna in and, and take to go. So you take that and then I cut little spaces in it where the notches from the toilet lid would rest and that would sit down in the bowl of the toilet. So the city kitty basically sits across the toilet and the aluminum foil pan method would kind of sit down in the bowl of the toilet and that's okay. And then the aluminum foil one just Take, it's going to form a rectangle and your toilet is round. So put it down in there. It should be the proper size to where it's not actually going to fall into your toilet. There should be a lip holding it out. And then I put my hands on the walls of the pan and smash them out to form a round shape. And it will fit there. It'll fit there very nicely. Put the regular litter in there for a week. Let them go. Do the same thing as you did before. Every time they go to the bathroom, you would scoop it and put it in a little trash bag or wherever you're going to put it. Scoop it out. Then you're going to slowly 
blend the flushable litter with their old litter if they're not already on the flushable litter. So now you're going to blend it. That way they're in the habit of going to the bathroom, jumping up on the toilet, and going in that little city kitty or the pan option. Blend it in there. And this is going to take about a week or two. So you're going to have to, when I say blend, I mean I'm talking three quarters old, one quarter new, after a couple days, half and half, do a couple more days, one quarter old, three quarters new, slowly blend it over to where it's 100% flushable. When you get to the 100% flushable litter, and the cats are comfortable going there, then you poke a hole in the bottom. So the city kitty will have a pre-measured holes, so each week you'll cut those out. And I found it extremely difficult to cut these holes out on the city kitty method. That's why I ended up doing the aluminum pan. It was a lot easier to poke a hole in the bottom. I had to get a sharp knife and stab the daylights out of it. And now the cats have gone to the bathroom on this a whole bunch of times, so I didn't really want to reuse that knife no matter how many times I cleaned it. Just Even though I know it was safe, it just kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies. Anyways, I digress. Poke a hole either in the city kitty or in your aluminum foil pan. Just poke. It doesn't have to be a big hole. It has to be a small hole, a little hole, one that the cats will barely notice because that was another fail. If the hole is too big and they see it right away, they get scared of it. Keep it tiny, like the size of a dime. And then the following week, the size of a quarter. I mean week by week. It is a slow process. And then the week after that, the size of a 50 cent piece. Because the city kitty had the holes, the per it has little perforated edges that you're supposed to cut along. It has them already there, and so it, the hole would be okay, and then the next one, it, it was very noticeable every time we removed the next layer on the city kitty, and the cats didn't like that. I think what would happen is they would, and these are some other errors, they would jump up on there, and if it slid around, if the toilet seat we were in an old house and the toilet seat was not good. The toilet seat would slide around on them. They didn't like that. So make sure your toilet seats are new and good. If they jump up there and that hole has increased in size too drastically and they're not used to it, their paw might go down into the water and that freaks the cats out. And every time that you do something they don't like, they will now go to the bathroom in the tub or on the floor or somewhere else. So you have to go at a slow pace. It's so critical to go at a slow pace. That's why I like the aluminum pan method. That worked better for us. I could make a small hole, and then day by day, I just put on a little rubber glove, reach my hand down there, and make the hole a little bit bigger. Tiny, just a little bit. Every couple of days, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. I might only do a fourth of, I'd have your starting hole, and then maybe expand it by 10%, 20%. The city kitty was very big jumps. Eventually, the hole is going to get big enough that you'll be able to just take the little pooper scooper and slide the poo or the pee, the wet litter. You'll just be able to slide it down into that hole and you can flush. Yes, this is the best part. <laughs> it's a lot of work to get to this point, but once you're there, life is great. Then it's, it's easier from here. Now I just leave the scoop on the back of the toilet, on the tank part of the toilet. I just leave the scoop there and every day I walk into the bathroom and I will just push the little stools or the clumps of pee. The, it's not that the litter like clumped up, but you know what I mean? It, it You'll be able to tell where they peed. It'll be wet. And so you just scoot that into the hole and then flush it. And then every couple days, make the hole a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. It should take a while to get the hole big enough to where the cat will go to the bathroom straight into the hole. Because the cat also has to learn to when they jump up onto the toilet, not land on the city kitty part or on the tinfoil part. 
tin foil on the tin pan. They have to learn to land with their paws just on the toilet seat. So it takes them a minute too. That's why this has to go so slow. Eventually you're gonna to get to the point with the city kitty, you can follow the directions. And the city kitty did work for many other people. It just did not work for me and my cats, but it did work for many other people. So I'm not bashing it. That's why I'm still promoting it. You can still utilize it and follow the directions. When it got down to two rings left, I would just take the kitty litter and just put it right around the edges because the hole is pretty big now, just right around the edges. And the cats would still kind of scratch and paw at it. But when it got down to the last step of the city kitty is to remove that last layer. When we did that, the cats hated it. They rebelled. They pooped and peed everywhere else. So we had to start all over, do the city kitty all over again from the beginning. This time leaving the last layer, that last ring. And I, I left that for probably a good two months. And then I got the bright idea to slowly chip away at that last ring. Again, the cats hated it, they rebuild. I didn't want to go out and buy another city kitty at this point, and that's why I got the tin foil, tin foil, why do I keep saying that? The aluminum pan. <laughs> that's why I got that. And I have permanently left just a little lip all the way around on the on the inside of the toilet. That lip. So the hole is wide enough, but there's about a two-inch lip all the way around the edges, and that's, I'll put the kitty litter around that just so they can kind of scratch and we can flush it. My cats have been toilet trained for a couple of years at this point. Unfortunately, when we did this, we were renters. We had to move four more times since I toilet trained the cats. Yeah, I guess it's been more than two years. They've been, they've been toilet trained for four years now. That's crazy. Woo, time flies. Yes, the cats have been trained for four years. Every year we moved and every year I had to retrain them all over again. Again, that's why I like the aluminum foil pan because the city kitty is more expensive than these aluminum foil pans and now that I understand it I can just do the pan method. I have to leave that two inch gap all the way around but I'm at the point now I don't have to put litter in it. Just the gap is there. Just that pan is still there with a giant hole but I don't have to use the litter anymore. And once they start going in the toilet you're gonna notice a huge decrease in the amount of litter that you need. Whereas before a bag of litter would last me two weeks, now a bag of litter is lasting me about six months. And honestly, at this point right now, I've had the same bag of litter for the past year since we moved into this house. I don't even need it anymore. I will tell you that each time we moved, it was faster and quicker and easier to train the cats. But I would say if you're starting at the very beginning to get to the very end, anticipate about three months. It's going to be a slow process. But the next three months are coming no matter what. And I would have rather spent that time training the cats versus smelling it in the house, scooping it out, changing out the litter box, running to the store to get more litter. I don't want to deal with that anymore. So to me, it was 100% worth it. When you do buy the flushable litter, I do want to note, make sure that if it is a clumping litter, even if it is flushable, if it's a clumping litter, try to break apart those clumps before they go down in your toilet because you can still clog your toilet. Just like I'm sure you've heard stories of, say, big burly guys who drop a load in the toilet and then it gets clogged just because there was too much in there at the same time. You have to get the clumps to a size that the pipes can handle. And that's very easy. Take the scooper and just kind of stab at it and break it up a little bit. It should break really easily. Do note if you have a water efficiency toilet it's going to use less water to get it down. So you may have to flush a couple of times to get it down. 
My toilets are regular. That's the house that we moved into. They're regular. I'm not changing them out. Not until it's needed anyways. And of course, if you do have a septic tank, make sure you do your research on if the septic tank can handle the cat feces or not. A great article is by the Mother Nature Network, mnn.com, Mother Nature Network. And the article is called Flushable Cat Litter. Please be sure to check that out. Okay, we have made it to the end of the podcast, and I want to thank everybody for listening. I appreciate your support. If you learned something today, please give the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you want to know more, please check out www.startingsustainability.com. I'm going to do my best to get show notes up for this episode. This is episode number nine. And you can catch that at startingsustainability.com forward slash podcast. If you want to get a hold of me, there are a couple ways that you can do that. You can email me at Kaylin, that's my name, K-A-Y-L-I-N, at startingsustainability.com. If you're not so comfortable with email, please check out our Facebook group. It's called Starting Sustainability. (laughs) It should be very easy to find. And you can post something on the group. You can shoot me a personal message, whatever is easiest for you. So thank you again for listening. I hope that you learned some new stuff today. If you're a pet owner, hopefully you can incorporate one or two of these things that we talked about. And have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you next time.